0: We all have those times, don't we, when we, we look at other people and we think, they're fantastic. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could do what they could do. But there's no chance. I couldn't do that. That'd be impossible for me. And, and it can happen with our careers or it can happen with our hobbies or when we watch people interacting socially and the way they engage with people. Uh, it, it can even happen, though, when we look at how people are living out their faith. And we can think, there's no way that I could ever be as bold as they are. That There's no way that I could ever pray like they do. That There's no way that I could ever be as as secure as they seem to be, or as free from bad habits as they seem to be. And sometimes I think when we look at people in the Bible, we get the same kind of impression. You know, they, they seem to be people who do things and make decisions that... We just can't relate to. They, they, they seem to, to go about following Jesus in a way that just seems impossible to us. And so we think there's no way I could ever be like that. I'll never be able to follow Jesus in the way that they do. And so today we're continuing our series looking at Jesus in focus. And I want to take some time to look at Jesus and the time when he calls his first followers and to bring that whole kind of process into focus as to how they respond and what it's like and what that really means for us today and what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. And one of the great things that becomes clear pretty quickly when you start looking through the Bible at the stories about Jesus is that... This invitation to follow him is open to everyone. No no one is disqualified. You know, being a, a sinner and having made mistakes and made a, a mess of things in life doesn't disqualify you. In fact, it, Jesus comes along and he says, do you know what? That's a prerequisite. That the starting point has got to be that you realize and you recognize that you're a sinner and that you've made a mistakes and you've made a mess in different ways in life. The starting point is that we understand that that's the reality for all of us. You know, having questions and and doubts doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. You know, he, he doesn't ask us to have it all sorted and to have every question answered and it all figured out. In fact, when you look through uh, the the stories of the people who follow Jesus in the Bible, we find that nearly every single one of them have their times when they struggle, have their times when they've got questions and and they've got doubts. And and so wherever you are this morning, I want to encourage you that whatever it is that you think about Jesus and wherever it is that, that you're going through, this is relevant to you. Because this invitation to follow Jesus is open to everyone. And it's an invitation that he makes to us continually, even if we've said yes once before. He's continually inviting us to take that next step in what it looks like to follow him. He's continually inviting us to go deeper and to go that bit further in what it means to really follow him. But as I say, sometimes I think when we look through the Bible and, and how people take these steps to follow Jesus, we come away from it thinking, I could, I could never do that. I'm not sure if I could have that kind of, of faith and follow Jesus in the kind of way that, that they did. You know, and when we read um, Matthew and Mark and how they tell the story of, of Jesus and in calling his first followers, it does all seem a bit crazy. And I can look at that and say, you seem mad. I don't know if I could do that. This is what Matthew writes. He says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers And I don't know about you, but the impression that I get when I read this kind of account is that you've got these fishermen and they're just busy going about their day. They're busy at their work, at their profession, fishing in the boats. And then along comes this guy, Jesus. And out of the blue, he just says to them, come follow me. And they just drop everything. They're like, hey, hey dad, good luck with the fishing business. I know you've raised us to to kind of be fishermen and to take on the business from you, but, but, you know, good luck. We're off now. See you later. And, And it seems like this step of impossible blind faith. In fact, it seems irresponsible and it seems dishonoring of their parents. And I can read that and I can think, well, I know how the story ends. I know that that this is a good decision. I know what happens next. And so I must have to try and be like this. But I don't know if I can have the kind of faith that these guys had. I don't know if I can take these kind of impossible blind faith steps like they seem to take. I don't know if I could just abandon everything out of nowhere. And, you know, this is why it's so good that we have four different accounts Of Jesus's life. You know, all told from different perspectives, all written with a slightly different purpose, because it helps us to fill out the picture. It helps us to fill in the blanks and to to really bring Jesus into focus as we see the whole picture come together. And when we look at what John and, and Luke both write, we discover something of the backstory to this day. Something of the backstory to, to this invitation that it doesn't just come out of nowhere when Jesus says, come, follow me. And when we look at the extra detail that Luke gives us about the day itself and, and what happens, it helps us to understand something more of the way in which Jesus works, something more in the way in which he's inviting us and what it is that he's looking to for from us as we respond to him. So I, I'm not going to read it now, but have a look up in your own time, John chapter 1 where we discover that one of these fishermen, Andrew, Peter's brother, he was already a follower of John the Baptist. He was already someone who, who while he was working as a fisherman, and that was his, his day job, he was already somebody who knew that he needed something from God and was going looking for it and was seeking God and doing his best to live for God in, in the way that he knew how. And, and so he's following John the Baptist. And then when Jesus comes along and gets baptized, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he, he after that, he goes and, and he tries to follow Jesus. And he spends a day with Jesus, following him around and listening to his teaching and talking to him uh, about everything. And at the end of the day, he goes to get his brother, Simon Peter, and he brings him along to Jesus. and He says, look who I've found. This is the one we're looking for. So they've already started to spend time with Jesus to listen to him and to, to learn from him. And then at the end of, of Luke chapter four, this is what we read. And this should pop up behind me. It says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of who? To the home of, of Simon, who's just been introduced to him. So this is the same Simon Peter that Andrew's just introduced to Jesus. And now he's, he's taken this step to invite Jesus into his own home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus at Simon Peter's house, all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. So Andrew and, and Simon Peter, they're part of all of this. They've spent time with Jesus, having heard him teach. They've seen something of Jesus' authority in his teaching. And now they've seen his power as he not just heal, doesn't just heal the people around them, but he heals Simon Peter's own mother-in-law. And it's after all of this, after all of this has happened, all these experiences with Jesus, that the day comes when Jesus says, come, follow me. And Luke gives us so much more detail about it. He writes in Luke chapter 5, he says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and that's the, the same place, it's just a different name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And, and so Jesus is there and he's at the edge of the lake and people of all, you can picture it, him, he's there kind of pressed against the, the lake, he's got nowhere to go. But it's getting hard for people to see him, hard for people to hear him because there's crowds all around. And so what does he do? He, he looks... And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And now this isn't just a stranger who he comes along and he meets, this is some and asks a favour from this is someone who he's been spending time with and who's been developing a relationship with already. And so he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And so Peter and Andrew and James and John are all there listening to Jesus teach. And when Jesus finishes teaching, he gives them an invitation. But it's not this extreme, abandon everything and come follow me invitation. It's a let's go fishing invitation. It's something that is very doable for Peter and his friends. Because they're professional fishermen. And so it's not as, it, it might not be as extreme though as, as, saying, you know, come follow me and abandon everything, but it's still this kind of request. It was unexpected for Peter. It took him by surprise. It was irrational. It made no real sense to him. He didn't understand why Peter would, so why Jesus would ask him to go fishing now in the middle of the day. It's something doable, but it still involves taking a step of faith. It still involves trusting Jesus in some way. And so having just finished drying and cleaning his nets after a long, hard night of fishing, Simon Peter looks at Jesus and says to him, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Peter is saying, we know what we're doing when it comes to fishing. We're the professionals at this. You might be a great teacher. You might have experience as a carpenter. But when it comes to fishing, we're the professionals. And we've been out all night and we haven't caught anything. And so what are the chances that we're going to catch something now? We're, we're, we're going to go and get our nets mucky and dirty. And then we're going to have to spend the afternoon cleaning them. And then we're, not going to, we're going to miss out on the night when we could go and catch more fish. And so we're going to get tired. We're going to lose the day. We're not going to have a chance to rest. And we're going to lose a day's wages because we're not going to be able to go out and fish when we should be doing it at night. And not only that, but look, the, the crowd's still here. The crowd's all around us and you want me to put my reputation as a fisherman on the line and go out and look foolish in front of all of these people when everybody knows that fishermen fish at night. Putting my reputation on the line is inconvenient. It makes no sense. There are no guarantees that it's going to work out. It's doable. But it doesn't make it easy. But this is the key moment for Peter. Peter. This is the decision that changes everything. He says, because you say so. Because it's you who asked, and and I probably owe you one because you healed my mother-in-law. Because it's you who's asking, and I've spent time with you, and I've seen that you're you're a man of God, and you're a man of authority, and your teaching is powerful. Because it's you even though this doesn't make any sense, even though this is a risk, even though this is probably going to cost me in time and money and my reputation, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And I just want to pause here because we skip over this because we're familiar with the story and we know what happens next. Well, Peter didn't. He had no idea what was going to happen next. They had no idea what hung in the balance with this decision. Now, Jesus may have been asking Peter to do something doable, but it was still something that went against all of his experience, all of his common sense. And Peter didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what came next for Jesus. He didn't know how he was going to become one of Jesus' closest followers. He didn't know that he was going to become one of the key people in the establishment of the church. He didn't know that, that 2,000 years later, we'd still be talking about him. And we'd, we, we would look to him as, as one of the people who's partly responsible for billions of people across the planet, knowing and believing and trusting in and having relationship with Jesus. And that all of this hangs in the balance as he makes this decision. Peter didn't know any of that. All he was thinking about was how he was going to lose out on a day's wages, how it was going to be tiring and a waste, how it was going to make him look silly in front of people. He had no idea what hung in the balance as he makes this crazy but doable decision to trust Jesus and to take him fishing. And I think this is a key thing for us to get a hold of today. You and I, we have no idea what hangs in the balance with our decision to say yes to whatever the next step is that God is prompting us to do. And not only do we not know what hangs in the balance, we don't know who hangs in the balance. You don't know what relationship you might miss out on. You don't know what experience of of joy that you might not get. You don't know who it is who might not enter into this relationship with, with Jesus. We don't know what hangs in the balance as every time Jesus invites us to take that next step. And he says, come, come follow me. Get out of your comfort zone and come come follow me. Even when it feels uncomfortable. Even when you don't understand. Even when it seems a stretch. You know, and, and sometimes life and, and even our faith can, can get a little bit kind of samey and almost kind of boring. And, and it's all under our control and we, we know what's happening and we know where things are going and it's, and it's safe. And, and sometimes we like it like that. And it might be though that Jesus is inviting you to, to follow him and to take the next step. But it involves... Something that seems a little bit risky, something that involves you letting go of a little bit of control. Putting your reputation on the line. Doing something uncomfortable, and so it's really easy to start talking yourself out of it. And say, well, you know, I've just finished cleaning my nets. I don't really want to go and get them mucky again, and, and you know, it's not the right time, so we wouldn't catch anything anyway. And, you know, whatever way it is that we just make excuses but you have no idea what hangs in the balance with your decision as Jesus invites you to take that next step in following him. Let's go back to the story with Jesus and, and Peter. Peter's put his trust into action and he's, he's dropped the nets into the water. He's responded yes to Jesus, even though it didn't make sense. And, and this is important because simply listening to and believing Jesus on its own isn't enough. Knowing what's true doesn't make any difference. It's when we apply what Jesus says. It's when we put our belief into action that it makes the difference. And that's what Peter does when he he lowers the nets down. He says, I'm not just going to sit here and listen to your teaching and smile and nod and agree and say, yes, I believe you. I'm going to put that belief and my trust in you into action and it changes everything. And this is what Luke writes happens next. He says, when they had done so, when they'd lowered the nets into the water... They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, Peter had already heard heard Jesus teach at this point. He'd already seen Jesus heal people and knew that he had had power over sickness and disease. But but this is something which goes beyond anything that Peter imagined. This is something which is is beyond anything that he's seen before. Because now Jesus has shown himself to have power over nature itself. And Peter's whole life up to this point has been about fishing. You know, when anybody who knows somebody who loves fishing, they get excited about fish. And when they see a lot of fish, that gets them excited. And that's what they kind of live for. And when it's a big fish, then it's even better. But somehow, in this moment, uh, Peter isn't in awe of the fish Doesn't even seem to really be that bothered about this great big multitude of of fish. He's he's not there, as you might think, thinking about, oh, wow, we're going to make so much money selling this lot off. Or he's not there thinking, oh, how can I persuade Jesus with a business proposition to become my fishing consultant because we could make some money? It is in this moment that it it kind of finally hits Peter who Jesus is, and that's all that he can think about. And so he fell down. At Jesus' knees. And he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It's in this moment that Peter realizes that Jesus is more than just a great teacher. That in somehow or some way, and he doesn't understand it, he can't explain it, he can't put it into words at this point, but in somehow or in some way, he is from God. And so Peter feels like he's got no place being around him. He's got no place being in the presence of someone from God. Because what could God have to do with someone like me? What could God have to do with somebody like a a, a sinner like me? But the amazing thing is that Jesus had come to change all of that. That's the way that they understood that the world worked. But Jesus came to change all of that. Jesus came to to make a way for every person to be able to have a relationship with God. And actually realizing that you're a sinner, realizing that you've made a mess, realizing that you need forgiveness is the starting point to making that relationship a possibility. And so Luke goes on and he says that not just Peter, but Andrew and James and John, they were astonished at, at the amount of fish that came in. They were astonished by what Jesus had done and after all of this so after they've spent time with jesus listening to his teaching after he they've invited him to his home and they've he's healed their mother-in-law and they've seen him heal loads of other people after they've been on the boat and they've listened to his teaching and then they've done what he said and they've got this huge big load of fishing after all of this then jesus said to simon don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people. Don't be afraid. You've seen me. You've seen the authority I have. You've seen the power I have over sickness and disease. You've seen the power I have over nature itself. Don't be afraid. Come follow me. And you can imagine Jesus with this great big grin on his face, you know, saying to the guys, I've got plans for you boys. You have no idea what's going to happen next. Come, follow me. I'll make you fish for people. Let's go change the world together. So Luke finishes, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And when you understand the backstory, when you see the big picture, how could they not? It isn't some kind of seemingly impossible, blind faith step that they make. You know, if we'd been through what they went through, if we'd seen what they'd seen, if we'd experienced what they'd experienced, how could we not respond to Jesus's invitation with a great big, yes, of course I'll follow you. And maybe some of you are here today and you're sat there and you're thinking, yeah, if I saw Jesus do that kind of thing, if Jesus made himself so real to me in that kind of a way then of course I'd follow him. If I'd seen Jesus come through for me in those kinds of ways, then of course I'd decide to be a Christian. Or I'd make those changes in my life. Or I'd get out out and about and talk to people about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. Or I'd put my trust in him with this situation or, or with that that I'm facing. And here's what I think Peter would say to you and to me if he was here today. I think he would look out at us and he would say, are you serious? Are you serious? And we'd be like, yeah, of course. If Jesus came and, and we saw him do his amazing miracle, of course we'd follow him. Of course we'd take that next step. Of course faith wouldn't be an issue. And Peter would be like, Really? Jesus did a fish trick for me, and I followed. Do you know what he did for you? You should know, because I wrote to you about it. I wrote you two letters about it. Have you read them? And these are letters written by Peter, the man who decided to follow Jesus, not as some kind of irresponsible, great, big, blind leap of faith, but who decided to follow Jesus based on the evidence and his experience. And he heard Jesus teach, and so he took a baby step and he invited Jesus to his home. Then he saw Jesus heal his mother in law. And so he took a baby step and risked looking foolish and took him out to fish for the day. And then he saw Jesus do something so amazing that he was left thinking, Who wouldn't follow him? And it's this same Peter who wrote these letters. To the church in the first century that the Christians of the first century thought were so important and were so precious that they copied them down and shared them with one another. And so that we still have them in our Bibles today. And so Peter would look at you and he would look at me and he would say, seriously, you're not following Jesus. You're struggling to take a step of faith and to trust him, to trust that, that that he's in control, to trust that he's got authority and power over everything. You're struggling to trust him in that area in your life. He did a fish trick for me. Do you know what he's done for you? Let me, let me tell you about it. And he, this is how Peter tells us about it in 1 Peter 2, verse 23. It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And Peter would say, I saw all of this with my own eyes. I saw him taken and arrested. I saw him beaten. I I saw him crucified. Have you ever seen a man crucified? I have, Peter would say. And when fully grown, strong men were crucified, they would scream and shout and hurl insults and threats as they hung there in agony. I saw Jesus crucified and in the midst of the suffering. He didn't scream. He didn't make any threats. He didn't shout at the people who were putting him through it. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable everyone else did. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly in the midst of the pain and the suffering. It was almost like he knew In the midst of what was clearly the most unjust act imaginable. It was like he knew that this was some kind of part of some kind of master plan. And then later, because not in that moment. In that moment, I was too emotional. In that moment, I'm embarrassed to say I was scared and I ran away. So not in that moment. But later, we all got together and we realized what had just happened. And so he goes on in verse 24. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins. That's we, as in all of us, might die to sins. What does that mean? It means that instead of being dead to God and unable to have an intimate relationship with him because of our, our sinfulness, because of the mistakes that we've made, now instead we are dead to sin, that we are dead to and that power which separated us from God. It's dealt with, it's done away with. And Peter goes on, he says, now we have an opportunity to have, a, not only have an opportunity to have a relationship with God, but we have the opportunity to go one step further and to live for righteousness. We have the invitation to live fearlessly because we have a savior who has authority, a savior who has power over sickness and disease, a savior who has power and control over nature itself and so what is there left to fear and so facing life with no fear we can live right we can put others first because we're not trying to fearful of having enough for ourselves we can follow through and do the things that jesus has teaches us and calls us to do and to, to be even when it seems crazy even when it costs us even when it makes us uncomfortable because we see something of who he is. And Peter says, and that's not all of them. By his wounds, by his physical wounds, you and I, we've been healed. We've been restored and made right with God. Fish tricks, Peter says. Fish tricks. That's nothing. Surrendering to crucifixion. For the sins of other people. So that you and, and I might might be free. And be able to have a relationship with God. Might be able to live fearlessly. Fish tricks is nothing. But that's everything. That's massive. And you on the other side of all of that. Aren't following him. You're not putting your belief in him into action. Peter would say, come on, no mere mortal. I'm telling you, I was there. I watched Jesus. He he went up to the person who was going to betray him and he handed himself over knowing what was going to happen next. No mere mortal would do that. Fish tricks. That was nothing. Jesus gave his life for you. How can you not follow him? And what we see with Peter is that following Jesus isn't about taking great big leaps of seemingly impossible blind faith that can make us think, well, I'm not even going to try. It all starts with baby steps. Jesus starts by asking us to do things that, yes, might make us a little bit uncomfortable, but are completely doable. And so I have to ask you, and I think Peter, if he was here, would ask you too. What's your next step? What's your next step?